Welcome to T3, Today, Tomorrow's Technologies. Your host is Jose Negron. We take the guesswork out of technological jargon so that you know what's next, why it's great or not so great, and how you can benefit from it by learning about it early. Now, here is Jose Negron. Welcome, folks, and welcome to T3, and good morning, everybody out there. I'd like to thank my audience for uh, listening to the show. This has been a show that we've been building up. Uh, we've ta- Today's show is about robots, the impact on humanity, and are the humans being replaced by robots? And if you recall, we've been talking about the self-driveless car. We've been talking about smart homes. Uh, we've been talking about uh, uh, computers and computer security. Uh, we, uh, last week, we talked about drones. And today, we get to talk about robots. And I am very uh, happy to be discussing robots today because we're leading to the next century with uh, artificial intelligence, machine learning, uh, analysis on, on types of different uh, formats and human endeavors that we have to do. In fact, if you've read uh, recently, Walmart just had robots going up and down their aisles in about 50 stores scanning for prices. So the robots are here. They're here to stay. And the question is, how can we live with them? How can we live without them? And more importantly, for a lot of us, uh, the scare tactics of, will the robot replace me? Uh, I'm on the line that I don't believe that they will replace you. However, you will. There are certain jobs that will be replaced. You will have to educate yourself and become a little bit more tech savvy. And those are the inheritance of uh, moving out in the 21st century robotic uh, world. I am real pleased uh, to introduce Eugene Demetrius. He is the senior editor for Robotics Business Review, and he's joining us today. Prior to joining uh, Electronics House Publishing in the Boston area, he worked at the Bureau of National Affairs, Computer World, Tech Target, and Dimitri has a master's degree in international affairs from George Washington University. Good morning, Dimitri. Welcome to the show, and I'd like to just uh, leave it open to you if you have anything else to add. If not, I'll just go back to that. All right. Well, thank you for having me. So, and you can just call me Gene. That's fine. Uh, so, as you noted, I am the senior editor at Robotics Business Review, and uh, we cover all kinds of automation, everything from AI and uh, industrial robots all the way through self-driving cars and drones. And uh, you're absolutely right. You know, our economy, our world is transforming before our eyes. Uh, robots are coming in virtually every industry, every market, and uh, we do have to be ready for them. Um, and the question is, do robots replace humans? Do they help humans? And, and what should we do about it? I, I think I agree with you in the sense that, yes, uh, a lot of tasks are going to be replaced by robots, just as, you know, we don't go down to the stream and beat our laundry against a rock anymore. We have machines to do that. Um, there will be robots to do a lot of things that we maybe take for granted today, uh, and our jobs will change around that. Um, but the thing is, robotics and automation is suffused through so many different areas of the economy that uh, we do have some conscious choices to make, and there's a lot that we can do to prepare ourselves for this new world. 
I totally agree there, Gene. Uh, you know, as I look at different types of technology, and like I said, we've covered the three shows, driverless cars, drones, and, and just uh, comp- advanced computing and security uh, aspect, I go back and look at robots, and, and I have to ask myself, you know, what's making robots in the interest of robots today? Why, why is this uh, so fascinated by so many people uh, today? Can you give me a short glimpse of why you think being the editor? Yeah, I, I, there's there's a couple of things. Uh, one is that the enabling technologies behind robotics have matured to a point where robots can move forward. That you know we've been seeing robots in TV and movies for decades, but they were never. Uh, anywhere near as capable as we would like them to be. But now, thanks to a lot of the technologies in cell phones, like miniaturized processors and sensors, and on the software side, improvements in artificial intelligence, it means that the robots are becoming more flexible. They're not just these gigantic arms inside a factory somewhere. Soon they can be in a lot of other types of operations. And so that's one reason why robots have advanced to a point that people are like, oh, maybe we can actually use this in our business to help us do things. And then the other is that you know there's a lot of interest in getting these robots into our homes, into our daily lives, whether we're talking about things like self-driving cars or robots that can help the elderly or uh, robots that can prepare fast food. There's all kinds of areas where we can apply automation. And so um, there's a, sort of that critical mass of, of consciousness of, oh, not only is the technology now able to do some of the things we want it to do, but also uh, we are ready or more ready than we were in the past to bring them into day-to-day life. Yes, and, and you know, when I look at robots and I, I don't know, I, I, I get a, a mixed feelings because some folks are really apprehensive and, I, and just getting ready for the show today, you know, there's those scare tactics articles, oh, robots are going to take over human uh, lives and they're going to take over my job and I won't have a job and so forth and so on. Uh, but it was interesting because I did run across one article that says, yeah, all that is probably interesting to read, and that's probably all uh, interesting, uh, interesting uh, tid- tidbits. But none of that has been factually proven. And uh, and and the list of uh, of uh, jobs that you just went over, you know, from let's just say the the automobile industry to the food manufacturing to the various other types of manufacturings that we have. I mean, I just see robots to stay. I see the human interaction uh, between the robot and man being more and more uh, as we increase and move on to the 21st century. And in fact, uh, you know, I'm sitting here looking at. A report by the Robotic Industry Association, and they estimate about 250,000 robots are now being used in the United States, and it's probably the uh, third leading country in the world uh, behind uh, Japan and China. And so it's kind of interesting for me as a former DARPA guy and also a uh, a tech enthusiast uh, to see the increase of uh, robotics in the various uh, areas. And, of course, uh, uh, vehicles or automation and automobile is one area. The other area that I think is very important is the the, uh, uh, robotics and visualization, uh, also in medicine, uh, how robotics will improve our lives lives in medicine. Do you have any comments on any of those areas? Absolutely. Uh, and let me start with medicine because, uh, so, for example, 
um, my mother and mother-in-law are both nurses. And the number one uh, cause of uh, workforce claims for nurses is back injuries. They have to lift patients. They have to move people around. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of repetitive strain. Now, wouldn't it be nice if there was a robot that could help move patients around so that nurses can focus on taking care of the patient, that they can focus on interacting one human being to another human being. So we're not talking about robots replacing humans. We're talking about robots supplementing humans. And uh, that's just one of many applications where, uh, you know, there are things that robots can do well and there are things that humans can do well. Humans have empathy. Humans uh, can interact. Yes, robots are becoming, thanks to AI, increasingly capable of interacting with us on our terms through uh, voice recognition and facial recognition. But at the end of the day, I think most people would still rather interact with a human. Uh, but there are tasks in healthcare and many, many other industries where a robot might be better. You know, why should we send a human up on a power line tower, which is very dangerous? Or why should we send a human into a, a flooded mine? Um, or why should we send a human in harm's way when a robot can do many of those things more efficiently or, or more safely? And again, there still needs to be a human in the loop controlling these robots, directing these robots. Uh, ultimately, these robots are a tool serving us. Um, yes, you know, there are a lot of concerns about AI running amok or robots replacing jobs, but uh, the uh, International Federation of Robotics and uh, the Association for Advancing Automation have come up with statistics that contradict a lot of the conventional wisdom where, yes, there have been a couple of studies that get cited very widely that robots are going to replace 80% of jobs. Well, that's like saying uh, smartphones and laptops have replaced who knows how many jobs. We don't have a typing pool anymore, but yet there's still lots of people in office, offices. We don't have... Um, you know, people shoveling horse manure in the streets anymore, and yet there's more people out on the roads than ever before. So I would, I would say that automation has been a very long-time trend, and uh, the digitization of society is something that we've already seen. We've already gotten accustomed to the idea of being able to access information anywhere, anytime, through our phones. Uh, with robots, we have the opportunity to interact with things remotely, in situations that we might not be able to currently. You know, as a child, we were exposed, I guess, with the fir- our first toy, and it could have been a robot or imaginary robot or and so forth and so on. And as you said, the technology today has advanced so rapidly uh, with um, AI, a little bit of AI. And I say a little bit because there's still discussion about whether AI uh, can support me. I think in the long, r- long term, it will be there. It's just it had so many misfires as it got started. And in the machine-to-machine uh, learning and that interactivity and the and the ability for the robot to become a humanoid uh, is going to be very, very interesting. And, you know, I look at the drones and what it can do. They're just an extension of a human being flying in the air. And then finally, the, uh, uh, the uh, Romba cleaning your house. And, of course, Japan is always famous for having these uh, uh, humanoid-type robots assisting customers in various stores. So, uh, it, it, you know, robots are here to stay. I agree with Gene. Uh, it's not going to take over your specific 
job. It may take over your task, but not your specific job. So let's not be afraid of it. Let's uh, let's continue on our our discussion. Uh, what do you see the industry moving towards? Uh, you know, the United States has increased the number of robots it's purchased last year, and it's third in the world. But what what are the major industries that you see the advances of robots in the United States? You know, what's interesting is that when I've talked with uh, industry observers and people out in the field, uh, they come back and say, oh, you know, there are industries like automotive manufacturing that you would think are already heavily automated. But there's a lot of uh, tasks or jobs that require people to sit in awkward positions to weld or bolt something together that a robot can still help out in. So manufacturing is still an area where uh, robotics is likely to expand in the next few years, uh, especially as smaller operations are able to afford and use robots. So it's not just going to be the, the big automakers. It can be somebody who makes widgets in your hometown. And, and there's a, the hope that such small-scale manufacturing enabled by robots can keep up with international competition. So that's one major area. The other area is supply chains. So as you know, Amazon hires tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people for its warehouses every year, and it can't keep up. It had bought a robotics company to move stuff around in its warehouses, and they're still making as many robots as they can. So um, when it comes to order fulfillment, if you order something online and you want it delivered today, well, you're going to have to have some automation as part of that process to satisfy that demand. Um, but then looking a little bit further out, we talked about healthcare already. We talked about um, energy and environment and exploration. There's also areas like, um, you know, the military is a, a very interested in investing in robots that, again, help human soldiers. They don't replace human soldiers, but they can maybe relieve you of carrying a heavy all your supplies at once. They can uh, go into places where maybe it's not safe for a, a forward observer to go. And so there's a lot of applications, I think, where robots will continue to grow and uh, in the near future and at the moment, you know, I think uh, we haven't even realized all the areas where we might be able to apply it. So when you look at the robotic field, do you break it down in in various categories? I mean, I'm looking at, uh, you know, like industry, uh, maybe consumers, uh, maybe there's a different workout for the manufacturing pl- uh, plants and stuff like that. How do you break out? Because, you know, you have so many different types of task uh, that's got to be overwhelming especially as an editor as you d- decide which stories goes <laughs> in not <laughs> that's right and, and that's, a, that's a great question so on robotics business review we actually do try to break things out by uh, two things, the type of technology so you have mobile robots, you have pick and place robots, you have uh, robotic components, you have artificial intelligence so on the one hand you can divvy things up by the type of technology and then on the other side, you can look at who's using this technology. Is it manufacturers? Is it supply chains? Is it healthcare? And you can look at it from that angle. So you're right. There's so much going on in, in this market, in this industry right now. It's really hard to keep track. And one of the things that people realize is that, oh, it's not as simple as uh, information technology and the computer. Even though computers are now everywhere, uh, they're still essentially a laptop and a screen and a keyboard are the same everywhere. With robots, there's so many different form factors or designs that they can take. Uh, You mentioned humanoids before. They're still a ways off, 
but there's a lot of research being put into them. And so the designs are going to change. For most uses, you're not going to want a humanoid robot because it may not be the most efficient design for what you're trying to accomplish. Um, but you have to pick what do I need solved, what problem can robots help me solve, or automation and AI help me solve, and then address it that way rather than trying to take on all of it at once. What has been your latest uh, experience in a robotics? I'm, I'm looking at a former DARPA guy. You know, I've got, I'm familiar with the big dog. I'm, I'm familiar with the exoskeleton. I'm, fa- I'm familiar with the, uh, uh, the draper or artificial arm. Uh, you know, there's a lot of uses, both from a logistics perspective, from a medical perspective, and also a little bit of the manufacturing. Uh, any surprises out there that you've seen uh, when you visited folks? You know, that, that's a, a great question. So um, I was at the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas a few months ago, and I got to be in a self-driving car, and that uh, a couple of self-driving cars, in fact, and that was really interesting in that I, as a journalist, I'm a professional skeptic. I thought, okay, these things we hear a lot about, and they're putting a lot of money into it, but they're far away. Um, I think they're actually a lot closer than people may realize. On the robotic side, I've had the privilege of interviewing some of the world's leading uh, humanoid robot designers and talking with them about the importance of a good human-machine interface. And again, everyone thinks, you know, they see a TV show or a movie and they think, oh, we can interact with a machine as if it was another person. And the fact of the matter is, that's not quite there yet. Yes, you can interact with a with a chat bot and have a conversation and you can talk to a humanoid robot that might be able to walk or, or grab a glass for you. But all that in combination, that, that total package, that's actually farther away. That is always a surprise to people when you know, they get excited, oh, this robot can walk or dance, and that's great. But uh, in most cases, those are still in very controlled laboratory circumstances. And... Um, but you mentioned, you know, as a DARPA guy, uh, I interviewed the winner of the DARPA Robotics Challenge, and that robot that I interviewed a few years ago was actually one of the Olympic torchbearers at the Winter Games. Wow. So well, it shows you... Yeah, Gene, we're coming up on our break right now. Let's hold that story. I'd like to continue that after we get back from our first break. Uh, we're sure. speaking with uh, Eugene or Gene uh, Dimitris, uh, senior editor at the uh, in Boston, and we're talking about robotics. And we'll be back in shortly. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Why? Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Are you ready for a disaster? If you are like many people in the world, that answer may sadly be no. 
disasters happen unexpectedly to people just like you every day. Tune into Preparing for the Unexpected with business continuity and disaster planning expert Alex Bullock. The show will not only help you better prepare for a disaster itself, but also to prepare you, your place of employment, and community for the aftermath emotionally, financially, and with a better level of awareness and a stronger feeling of resiliency. Tune in Thursdays at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Today, Tomorrow's Technologies. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to today, tomorrow's technologies at gmail.com. Now, back to our show. Welcome back, folks, uh, to T3, the premier tech show on Voice America on the Variety Channel. This is your host, Jose Negron, and today's subject is robots, the impact on humanity and our humans being replaced by robots. If you have any questions, we have a very diverse show today. Uh, please tweet, Twitter, Facebook, or email at todaytomorrowstechnologies@gmail.com or call 866-472-5788. We continue our discussion with Gene Demetrius. He's the senior editor for Robotics Business Review. And at the last break, we were talking about robots and, and robots replacing various tasks in individuals. Uh, but we don't think the robot will replace the human beings. You'll have to prep and move on to other disciplines. But uh, I, I think the best world is where humans and robots are interacting together to get a definitive uh, payback. Uh, so at this time, I want to turn it back to Gene. He was uh, evaluating or having a, a discussion with the uh, one of the DARPA Challenge Robotic Contests, and I want him to go further into that story. So, Gene, can you uh, bring us up to date on the challenge? Sure. So, uh, a few years ago was the uh, final DARPA Robotics Challenge, and it was uh, designing humanoid robots with the idea that these robots could go into uh, nuclear reactors like Fukushima and help shut them down or clean them up, because uh, those spaces, and, and in fact, obviously most industrial facilities, are designed around humans, and you need a robot that can do things that humans can do, like open a door or climb stairs or turn a, a dial or flip a switch. And so um, I interviewed uh, Dr. Jun Ho-O of Hugo, um, that was the humanoid robot that this Korean team uh, created, and what was really cool about that is that just a few weeks ago, uh, Hugo, this humanoid robot from Korea, was one of the torchbearers at the uh, 2018 Winter Olympic Games. So, you know, there is definitely progress in humanoid robots. It's a, a relatively small area still. There's a lot of attention, obviously, because we identify with robots that resemble ourselves. Uh, but they're not in that wide use just yet because, again, for a lot of industrial reasons, you might want a robot that's not humanoid. But um, I've also had the privilege of interviewing Hiroshi Ishiguro, who is, who is a uh, Japanese researcher developing humanoid robots, and David Hansen, who's Sophia, 
as you, you may have heard, uh, was granted honorary citizenship by Saudi Arabia. And so these humanoid robots are really fascinating to us because they have facial expressions, they can talk, um, they haven't really combined the ability to walk and grasp with human inter- interaction just yet, but that's something that a lot of people are working very hard on. And so, uh, you know, it's been really fascinating to see. Uh, we've gone from something that is mostly science fiction to something that is a little bit more science fact. And, you know, how could these robots help us? Um, you don't want a robot doing something that you can do, but you want it doing th- something that would help out, like going into a nuclear plant. Well, that's that's pretty interesting. I'm I'm sitting here looking at the net here on on Sophia, and uh, and some of the uh, its work in the in future robotics and AI, and and now let's turn to some of the biggest challenges. As I look at some of the challenges in robotics, uh, you know, material steel continue to be in fabrication schemas, uh, continue to challenge the robots. Uh, I know the big dog at DARPA was critical in its uh, ability to mimic. Uh, uh, animals and in other uh, forms of, of plant uh, capacity or characteristics, so that it could be better. Power and energy always a critical component of any robot. Uh, robots to swarm is a challenge. How do you get two, three, four, ten uh, robots to talk to each other to ensure they're going to perform a task? Navigation exploration, being a former uh, uh, military guy, navigation is critical and. Exploration is even more important as you decide to go out. Uh, you mentioned uh, the Olympics uh, as uh, the torchbearer uh, lit the flames. I was looking at all the thousand plus drones that were flying around synchronously and doing its uh, bit in the design, which was quite amazing. That gets back to the difficulty of AI and robots, but they seem to have uh, mastered that. Also, the brain-computer interface, uh, being part of, uh, uh, as the program manager to the DARPA Grand Challenge, the first autonomous vehicle race, uh, the SOS, the uh, the integration between the computer, the machine, and the sensing capability. As Dr. Teller used to say, you got to get the SOS right, is critical. Our social interaction, I think uh, you mentioned it, Gene, as uh, robots become more and more acceptable and they're used for medicine or even household chores uh, and your personal butler, I think that is going to increase. Lots of application for these robots for in the medical uh, field. And of course, uh, critical and probably something you're studying or at least publishing the robotic ethic ethics or security types. Because uh, while these robots are going to be around, I'm sure our hackers are, are busy trying to hack into them as well. So the, those are the 10 biggest challenges that I see or has been published by Steve Crow in the Robotics Magazine. And so if you have not read the issue, please do so. It was in the latest uh, uh, February issue. Take a look at that. Uh, Gene, as we look at the uh, robotic industry, what, what do you see some of the challenges uh, that they are going to face? So that's a great point, and, and all the technical challenges that you described are, are absolutely, I think you're, you're valid with those, and you know we've written about that at Robotics Business Review quite extensively. On the business side, the challenges are, you know, you have to integrate these into your operations. It's not simply, oh, I'm going to buy a robot, plug it in, and I'm done. You have to really see, okay, how does this change my business model? How does this affect my entire production line? How does this affect connections with other back-end systems? 
you know, where do people fit in best? Where can I, uh, do I have to retrain some of my employees? Do I have to uh, redirect some of my workforce? There's a lot of, of questions that each organization has to answer for itself. And um, one of the things that's also going to happen is eventually, you mentioned robot swarms, you're going to have environments like a warehouse or a factory or a shopping mall where there might be a security robot, there might be a robot shopping cart, there might be uh, a drone taking inventory, and they all have to communicate with one another as well as with the people who are in that environment. And so coming up with safe standards, coming up with interoperability standards, coming up with ways that these robots that might be all from different companies and might have different software inside can all interact safely and effectively as a group is that's going to take some time. I think it's going to take some effort to, to work that out. And, you know, the, the government is not always the fastest moving entity. So regulations, whether it's for safety or privacy or uh, just making sure that things are done efficiently, that's going to take a little while to catch up as well. So uh, we have to make sure that as we're designing robots, as we're buying and, and using robots, that we think about all the social implications. It's not, again, not just, oh, I have a toaster on my countertop. It's, oh, I now have an appliance on my countertop that listens to every word I say and will go on the web and do whatever I want because it has my credit card. Or, um, you know, I have this robot involved in my processes for my business, and I need to make sure that it continues working in the way I want it to or that I can reprogram it uh, or it can learn on its own how to be efficient and, and it can share that knowledge with other robots. So there's a, a lot of work yet to be done. No, I totally agree with you because, you know, I, I'm a, sometimes I, I try to buy the latest and greatest thing and, and I have it in the box, but until I take it back out of the box and integrate it to whatever profile, whether it's my going outdoors and playing with it or bringing it into my business model and using it, uh, it's just, uh, you know, a little bit of hardware, a little bit of software just sitting on the desk. It's not going to just all of a sudden uh, develop uh, the type of uh, task characteristics, methodologies that you would like it to employ uh, to perform in order to help you. And the purpose to me of the robot is is to support your endeavors and make it easier for you. Uh, it's kind of interesting as we talk about drones. And, and, and to me, that was my first encounter with the, the robots. As you mentioned, uh, the commercial market is expanding. Uh, a lot of business rules. Uh, needs to be taken care of. Uh, what are some of the technologies that you've seen there that's a challenge? Well, so uh, on the one hand, there's this idea of the collaborative robot, the cobot. These are robot arms that are safer to operate around humans. They're smaller, they're lighter, they're a little bit slower, and they can work alongside humans. So we've seen in like food processing or light manufacturing or assembly, uh, robots working right next to humans, and that's fantastic. The next step that a lot of places want is a, a collaborative robot on a mobile base. So imagine instead of walking up to a production line or a, a conveyor belt and then having goods be moved around, the robot can move itself around to different points in your factory or in your hospital or your shopping mall or your warehouse. And uh, so having a mobile robot that can also pick and place objects with reliability, that can interact with humans, that can communicate with its peers throughout the facility, uh, I think you're likely to see some real progress on that in the near future. I've seen some, 
some really fantastic robots that are more flexible, more capable, and more nimble than their predecessors. And again, right now, surgical robots are these gigantic devices because they have to convey very precise force in a very small area uh, as material science advances, as AI and controls advance, we'll be able to make those more and more portable. So that way, a person in a clinic does, has access to the same capabilities as someone in the biggest university hospital. Yeah, I, I think the latest uh, or the expansion of robotics, not only in the human uh, personal services, will be in the field of medicine. Uh, I do believe the explosion, as you mentioned, in manufacturing and different types of manufacturing will also be a, a, a major user of robotics. Uh, even though we, we are the third uh, major users of robotics in the world, uh, there's still lots of areas that uh, uh, we need help on uh, to make our jobs a little bit easier. Uh, I'm looking at the uh, various robot applications, and I mentioned a couple of them. As we begin to integrate uh, robots, uh, uh, you know, my first uh, in- in- adventure was that with the first responders, uh, and being a military guy, was the, um, uh, you know, the explosive devices, the improvised explosive devices, and, and, and taking that robot into harm's way so that you save uh, uh, a life, or even the drone. Uh, I remember talking about uh, uh, in the military when we first started doing drones, no one believed in them. Uh, we've been doing drones since you know World War One, Two, and so forth. But I remember going into Kosovo using the uh, Predator drone, and no one really liked it. There was about one, and now we have drones, uh, you know, the size of a, a bird or a butterfly, and so forth and so on. And so the uh, the automation was there, the ability to do the work is there, and the ability to retrieve the information that the human needs is very important. As I move towards uh, space, because that's an area that I think robotics is really going to pick up, uh, any discussions or uh, information you have to add on space or, or some of the discussions you guys have had uh, working at the magazine? Sure. So, and, and I want to touch on one point that you just mentioned that, you know, you talk about uh, drones and uh, I've had, again, the good fortune of seeing uh, a lot of Intel's drones uh, that, again, have been more recently used uh, in the Olympic opening ceremony. And drones, what they are is they're mobile data gathering devices. So you can use drones in agriculture, you can use drones in scientific exploration, you can use drones for surveillance and security. And again, they, they're tool, their utility is that they are gathering lots and lots of information. That would be hard to do manually. That would be hard to do with one person in a helicopter. You can send a swarm of drones out and they can survey your crops for you. There's so much potential there, but it is making good use of that data. That's where obviously we're going to need the help of AI. In space, again, it's one of those jobs that's dirty, dull, and dangerous. Uh, yes, I'm a big proponent of human spaceflight, and I've studied it for many years. And uh, but we need robots to help us get there, just as we needed, you know, sailing ships to get us to the new world. Uh, we're going to need robots to go ahead of us to make sure that conditions are primed for humanity on the moon, on Mars, and beyond. And so uh, it's amazing that you know NASA has put out fantastic space probes that have gathered data from all corners of the universe that we now know there's hundreds of planets orbiting other stars in the galaxy thanks to remote-controlled, autonomous, fully autonomous uh, craft that have been sent out from Earth. In terms
terms of space, we need robots to help us if there's uh, a problem with a spacecraft. You can send a robot out instead of endangering a human. Uh, there's problems with radiation. There's problems with low gravity. There's problems with getting out into space. That while we solve those problems for the humans, for the astronauts to get out there safely, there's many ways that robots can help multiply their efforts. So, you know, we can only afford to send a few people out at a time, but if we have robots out there helping them, imagine how much more quickly they can build space stations or colonies out there. So I, I think space has always been a pioneer for technology, particularly with the U.S. as a leader, and uh, with robotics as one of our key components. Uh, I think uh, really, you know, not to be cliche, but the sky is the limit. With robots helping astronauts, uh, there is no place they can't potentially tackle. Yeah, I, I just see that as uh, we've always said the next frontier, but uh, the frontier is uh, is going to increase. Uh, Elon Musk uh, launching that heavy rocket lifter the, the a couple of months ago. That's going to make a major impact on these, uh, uh, you know, pushing out towards outer space and, and so forth and so on. And the information we've gathered in, in, in the space lab, Tori. We've got a couple minutes left. Uh, any funny stories that you can tell us as uh, you begin to prep for the magazine or you visited a robot that did something un- unusual? Well, you know, it, it's funny. I find every time I get to, to see a robot firsthand, whether it's at one of our own shows or at some other conference somewhere, or even better, out in the factory, uh, that it, it's so easy to, to think, oh, I know everything, I've seen everything, and then I come around the corner and I see a robot doing something like, why did I think of that? You know, I, I've been in factories where robots are moving these heavy pallets around and and at the end of the production line, there's still a human being putting screws in. I'm like, well, that doesn't look like a good job. Why can't you have a, ro- a robot do that too? Um, and so to me, everything is exciting about robotics and automation and artificial intelligence because there's so many ways in which we have yet to use these tools. That as humanoid robots become more interactive, as industrial robots become more nimble, as artificial intelligence becomes more capable. Right now, our expectations are unrealistically high. We've seen too many uh, sci-fi programs where uh, it's a, na- a very natural interaction. And then we have to worry, oh, is a robot thinking about my interests? We're not anywhere near that. All the, all the doomsayers about robots taking over the world, um, they're, they're worrying about the wrong thing. The robots are a tool. Can you use a drone to do bad things? Sure. But imagine all the good things you can use a drone for. And with robots, um, you know, I've, again, had the, the great fortune of meeting robots that were designed to help the elderly, to help uh, children with very serious conditions, to help people who were paraplegic. And as the brain-human-machine uh, human interface or brain-computer interface evolves, those will get even better. So imagine that right now we're looking at very primitive wheelchairs or exoskeletons. But in a few years, imagine as the price comes down and they become more available, the idea of someone being stuck in a wheelchair or stuck in a bed might go away. I mean, to live in, in such miraculous times, we really should be excited and, and challenged by that and not dreading it. Exactly. All right, folks, we're uh, talking to Gene Dimitri. We're senior editor of Robotics Business Review. We'll be back for our uh, last segment in just a moment. 
Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Can you truly be a change agent in your community? We think you can. Tune in every week for Envision with co-hosts Thomas Rosenberg and Ronnie Langer-Kroger. The show is all about building an inclusive and just future by connecting people with ideas. Connect with what's happening in your community, your country, and around the world as we speak with amazing guests who are fostering change and making their communities better. Envision is heard live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Where are you getting your advice on buying, selling, or maintaining your most important asset, your home? Is it from a reality show on cable TV, a comparison website, or are you just flying by the seat of your pants and gut instinct? Stop now before you make another move. Tune into Real Real Estate Today with host and realtor Deb Tomorrow. You can't afford to play guesswork when it comes to your new or existing home. Listen every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on Voice America Variety. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Today, Tomorrow's Technologies. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to today, tomorrow's technologies at gmail.com. Now, back to our show. Welcome, folks. We're back in our third segment of uh, our show today. It's uh, ro- robots, the impact of robots on humanity. Are robots replacing uh is that's good or bad uh, to wor- be working with robots. Our guest today is uh, Gene Dimitri, Senior Editor of Robotics Business Review. And we've been having a lively chat about uh, everything from driverless cars to just basic robots to drones. Uh, discussed a little bit about uh, the robots interaction in the Olympics there. If you sh- sh- saw the opening ceremony between uh, the lighting of the torch to the uh, drones doing their aerobatics, uh, quite interesting. I'd like to shift the conversation now with Gene to education. What do we expect? Because that's really a topic, uh, I'm not sure everybody agrees how to educate for the 21st century. Robotic, AI, machine learning, and all those disciplines are challenging us, and it's something that uh, we need to look at and, and, and discuss and find out a way how we move to the future. In our last segment, we talked about space and, and the ability of robots moving us towards space. So, Gina, any uh, ideas or any uh, discussion on some of your topics uh, on education and where do we need to go? Yeah, so around education, there's a couple of issues. Uh, The first is that uh, there's a big shortage of engineers to build and design and program and and control these robots. So, uh, obviously, science, technology, engineering, and mathematics uh, STEM education, there's a lot of STEM education programs uh, in the United States and worldwide where we're trying to make uh, robotics and engineering more attractive to students. It used to be, oh, if you were uh, a techie, you were a nerd or a geek and nobody wanted to be your friend. But the fact of the matter is, that's what America needs to be competitive. And so 
there are a lot of programs to identify people who have this talent or interest, to nurture that talent from the elementary school level all the way up through college or trade school and beyond. And so um, STEM, the idea of STEM education is to really harness as much of the natural talent that's out there in our own population and direct them to good-paying jobs in an industry that is growing. So people who used to say, oh, I don't want to work in a factory. That's blue-collar work. That's dirty. You know, it used to be people were proud of working in factories. We can get back to that by saying, hey, through the right educational programs, the right training, we can enable people to use these robots, to build these robots, to supervise these robots. And so we want to make sure that uh, people in underserved communities or uh, people who might be poor or minorities or women, all kinds of people should have access to the technology, skills, and talent, and training that they need in order to fully contribute and participate in the U.S. economy. And so that's a major area of, of focus. And, and the other area is, on the flip side of it, it's the people who are semi-skilled labor. There's a fear that 2 million truck drivers in the United States will be put out of work by self-driving trucks. There's a fear that you know, people who flip hamburgers either at the beginning of their career or at the end of their career will be put out of work by robots. Well, the challenge is those people should still be involved, but maybe not doing those dangerous or tiresome tasks. And so how do we identify ways in which we can still employ people in live, at living wages alongside robots or in supervisory capacity? And so um, that's a little bit of a harder challenge. You know, some programs are easy because you can say, hey, we had a robotics competition. These kids built all these amazing robots. But on the, on the other side of it, we do have to address people who are already in the workforce and figure out, okay, how do they coexist with robots? How do they live alongside these robots? And take advantage of what AI and automation is offering. Yes, and I wanted to get in a little bit more specific. How about the curriculum itself? It seems like, uh, I mean, if my statistics are correct, where about 50% of the kids are dropping out of high school, so you'll never get to that engineering billet or, you know, mm-hmm. increasing your engineering force because you got 50% of the population already dropping out before they get started. And in the classroom itself, uh, you know, uh, there's other issues, but I'd, I'd like to focus on the curriculum. What kind of curriculum changes have you heard or inputs uh, i know we're bringing in robotics more into the classroom but in our days you know we had uh, we had the crafts there we had uh, uh the ability to go out and learn a technology discipline or in a craft and a, and and from there you you went on to either college or you went to the tech schools uh germany has uh the you're either going to college or you're going to tech school one of the two and the tech schools right, right now for a welder just in robotic as a welder you got a phd in welding uh six-figure salary so that's kind of interesting. I don't think folks realize how much uh, they can earn in certain areas. And I think you're exactly right. That one of the things that we have to distinguish is that, yes, you will always want top-flight engineers to help build the industry. But the fact of the matter is we cannot compete against China or India or some other places purely on numbers. You know, they have as many people in college as we have in our country, so we can't really compete just on on pure demographics, we have to compete in terms of quality and making maximum use of our population. And so, yes, you want to identify more people for the stream for the the uh, high-skilled engineers, but you're absolutely right in that we need 
better apprenticeship programs. We need better trade school programs. So that people who don't want to go to college and take on all that debt and spend that many more years before they can actually enter the workforce, that there are a lot of people who, as you said, in, in previous times, they go into a trade. Well, why can't being a mechanic or an engineer be considered an honorable trade once again? Why can't someone who maintains robots, who manages robots, but doesn't necessarily have to build the microprocessors or, or the programming from scratch, why can't you know the, uh, that person be able to use robots? And there's a lot of talk about how as robots become more intelligent, they should become easier to use and actually democratize technology. Um, it has to be done through conscious design choice, but there's absolutely ability here to say, hey, why don't we design robots that someone who would in a previous generation have been a bricklayer or an auto mechanic, why can't they not do drone maintenance or why can't they not do uh, industrial cobot repair or monitoring? And so there's, we have to make sure that we have multiple paths that involve education and automation, so that no matter what your interest or skill level, you're able to take advantage of the new economy. And so if you are really good at math and engineering, hopefully your talent is identified early on, and you're directed to a program where you can maximize that. But on the other hand, if you are somebody who would have been a truck driver, would have been a plumber, there's no, there should be no shame attached to that. If anything, you should be able to also use robots and automation in your job to earn a living wage. You know, my 30-plus uh, years in the military, and even today as I go out, I mean, you need both skill sets. We need both skill sets because you need the guys who have the brain power, but you also have to have the guys who can are good at with their hands. And, uh, and, and those two combinations, an individual is very rare to have both. And that's one thing I found out uh, during the DARPA Grand Challenge. We had a lot of guys who could write a great proposal, but when it came building the vehicle itself and, and, and sweetening up the mixing sauce of the sensor, the mechanics, the computerization, putting the AI into the system, it was difficult for them. And, uh, and we changed the rules a little bit, made it a little bit more uh, sharper, uh, and you saw the results in the second and third Grand Challenge. Uh, I, I do believe the U.S. and the, and the, and the kids today Day, want to step up to the challenge, uh, but we have to give them a challenge and can't uh, just sit back and just say they're not capable because I think the kids are capable today. The other thing is, yes, we're short on engineers, but I also believe there's a lot of mom and pop engineers out there that are not going to school that are just sitting in the bedroom or, or their basement or the garage <laughs> working on stuff. I, I'm a firm believer that we're not counting, you know, we're not taking account of the, that discipline out there. And that's what we need to get into trade school and up the vocation ladder. That's absolutely right. And, and you know, you mentioned uh, people sitting at home, and uh, thanks to the web and smartphones and all this technology, we have a generation of kids that's more tech-savvy than anybody that came before them. And the trick is, how do we turn that tech-savviness into the ability to code more easily, into the ability to get their hands dirty and really uh, build something that changes the world. Uh, America has had this great tradition of inventors starting things in their garages. Um, the next great robot might be the same thing, that obviously there's the big labs, the big companies, the government, and we want all of them to be involved and cooperating, but we also have to nurture the idea of the small business, of the entrepreneur, of the inventor, because I, I truly do believe that there is more brain power out there than we realize. And 
you know, as intelligent as robots get, as capable as they have become, they still need a human heart and mind directing them. Exactly. And uh, we've got a couple minutes left in the program. Uh, is there anything else you would like to add as we begin to close in the next three minutes? Yeah. So at Robotics Business Review, we write a lot about the business of robotics. But again, I, I want to reassure your listeners and everybody out there that, yes, each new wave of technology does introduce some change, does have some unforeseen consequences, some social effect, some economic effect. But uh, we're early enough in this wave with robotics and artificial intelligence and all the related technologies to really make some deliberate choices as to how we develop them, how we pursue them. And, uh, you know, I've been tracking this for a while now, and it's really exciting to see all the different ways in which robotics is being applied. And I absolutely encourage everybody to get out there and, you know, talk to a STEM program, find a local robotics meetup, go out there and, and really don't be afraid of this, this change because ultimately this change should be on your behalf. Well, thank you, uh, Gene. I know you've got uh, several other meetings you got to get to uh, today. Uh, we have been privileged to listen to Gene Dimitri, Senior Editor of Robotic Business Review. I'd like to personally thank you for coming on the show and sharing your ideas, and, and uh, hopefully we'll meet down the road a little bit, and uh, and I'll, I'll see you later. I know you got to get to your next meetings. Uh, we'll continue the show here uh, talking about, uh, as I wrap up robotics, uh, to me, it's a, it's a marvelous feel. It's a feel that has, uh, a variety of, uh, technology development. Uh, the difficulty of, uh, of the field itself is how do you categorize it? Do you categorize it by technology? Do you categorize it by uh, uh, the work environment? Do you categorize it in the uh, trade that it does, the robot? And so these are all things that we need to think about. Uh, I, I believe uh, we've put uh, three or four shows together from the driverless car to computerization security to drone technology and now the robots. And hopefully you've got a better appreciation as we move forward into the future. The future is going to be more advances in robotics, both in the service industry, the medical industry, the manufacturing industry, even education. So we need to be prepared. Uh, hopefully my educators out there uh, developing a curriculum for our future uh, generation. We need to change how we teach them and get them more interested in the program itself. As we move on to next week, I'd like to be talking about space and space exploration. And uh, and I've got some special guests there. But today, I'd like to thank everybody on my team who made it possible for me to be here. And, of course, uh, I'm sitting here with Alex. Uh, she does a tremendous job for me, and I'd like to personally thank her and uh, and just getting uh, the guest here. So uh, this is your host, Jose Negron, on Voice America. Uh, this is the leading tech show, and hopefully you've enjoyed today's show and program on robotics. Thank you for listening to Today, Tomorrow's Technologies. We hope you'll join your host, Jose Negron, for another exciting program next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Enjoy the rest of your week.